Thank you for being here this evening. We're going to look at Psalm, Psalm 84, verse 10. Uh, That might be familiar to some of you where he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. (laughs) I don't know about you, I'm privileged to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God to dwell uh, better than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And so uh, I've entitled my message, Let's Hear It for the Christian Life. The Christian Life. And, and we, folks, I don't know what you're going through tonight. Uh, but First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. I learned that verse a long time ago. My mother was murdered three days after I led her to Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that, your own mother? I got saved at age 30. And for the next three years, I began witnessing to my mommy. I did not want her to die and go to hell. And I said, Mom, don't you want to receive Jesus as your personal Savior? She said, Norm, I'm not interested in receiving the Lord. Don't mention His name again. And so, for the next few years, I didn't say anything. And... And my mom called me up on the phone and says, I want you to uh, come and help me. And so I went to Florida to help my mother. Well, not knowing she's going to be murdered. That's right, murdered in three days. And so I took the Bible and showed her from the Word of God, to make a long story short, how she could be saved and know it. So my mom received the Lord. I go home. I thought, wow, this is so cool. I'll spend time with mom. We're going to grow in grace and knowledge together. How little did I know that in three days a, a sheriff uh, came to our, uh, my home in, there in, in, in Tampa, Riverview, and uh, he said, are you Norman Stevens? And I said, yes, sir, I am. Your mother has been the victim of a homicide. And I said, my mother has been murdered. Praise the Lord. He said, how can you possibly say, I sure am glad they had the two guys that got him. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Now, I'm only, I'm 34 years old. I don't know a whole bunch. But I do know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Romans 8.28. I got that in kindergarten. I got that in the nursery. I got that when I got saved. Shortly after conversion, I was taught, Psalm 32, verse 8, God says, I will instruct thee and teach thee, Norm, in the way which thou shalt go, and the way that thou shalt live, and how you should live for me. Psalms 37, verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalm 119, 9, uh, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to according to thy word. And Psalm 118, uh, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so he said, Norm, this is the way. Walk in it. Just as man cannot get saved, anyway he chooses... Folks, we cannot live for God. We cannot walk with the Master any way we choose. And I'm sorry. That's where many of God's people miss it today. Especially, in the, I don't know how they did it back then, but knowing the 21st century Christian, hey, they've missed it. Because they're not in the book. They, they're not reading the manual. This book will teach you how to live for Christ. How, what to do, uh, when to stop. How to do this, that. And so anyway, I said that to say this, that First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. Hey, I didn't write it. 
But my Bible says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know what? Uh, that was my very first funeral. As a preacher, I preached my mother's funeral uh, four years after I received the Lord as my Savior. Now, uh, two people were in the service and both of them got saved. Through that testimony and this, that, and the other, two people came forward and received Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And so I look back and say, all things work together for good to them that love God. Praise. You know what? When the policeman came up and said, uh, the sheriff said, your brother's been a victim of homicide, I said, praise the Lord. Why? The Bible teaches us that to be absent from the body is to be present with who? Well, why don't you live like it? Why don't you act like it? Why don't you... I mean, I got that... That was 22 years ago. <laughs> it was 22 years ago I learned that. And I'm saying, God's people are... They just, I, don't know, I don't know why they come to church. I don't know why you, you come in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you come in and you hear, and you and you, you quiet time with the Lord, and you get in the book and say, God, teach me truth. I wonder how many of you folks actually got in the book and said, Spirit of God, teach me truth last night. <laughs> Did you discipline yourself to open the book and say, God, help? <laughs> James 4.2 says you have not because... Let me hear it. And that's the reason you didn't get anything, because you didn't ask. <laughs> the difference is, I just, I just, I just dumb enough to ask. I just, I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> don't tell me if you're supposed to do it any other way, because I don't want to know it. <laughs> you, you see, I told, I've been telling the people, my all my wires didn't get crossed. <laughs> For whatever reason, God made me the way I am, and He didn't connect all my wires. And I used to say, God, that's not right. Man, he knows ten times what I know. He said, yeah, he knows ten times what you know, but he don't put into practice what he knows. <laughs> hey, you know, I know very little, but what very little I got, I try to put it into practice. You see, does that, does that help? You know, it's not the things that you don't know. It's the things that you know. And for whatever reason, it's just going in one ear and right out the other. It doesn't, it doesn't help you in your walk, in, in, in maturity, in your growth with the Master. And so, the coroner come up to me and he said, how can you possibly, how can you possibly go down and identify your mother's body in the morgue? He says, son, I don't understand that. I'm only 34 years old. I'm a young man then. <laughs> he said, I don't understand that. It's the older gentleman. He says, let me tell you what I think they did to your mother. I mean, you're, I'm going to take you downstairs, pull out a stainless steel tray, and I'm going to pull back a white sheet, and you're going to look at They took their fist and they beat her body so badly, bruises all over her body, and some of her teeth been knocked out. Picked her up, threw her on a hardwood floor, her brain hemorrhaged, and she died. And then she, he looked at me in like disbelief. How can you possibly do such a thing? Well, I went back to what I've been taught. Hebrews 13.5, what did Jesus say? Hebrews 13.5, Jesus said, Norm, I will never leave thee. Now, folks, he said that. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, I said, man, the Lord is my helper. And he looked at me like, huh? Well, he, had no, he didn't know the truth. He was just trying from a... If he did, he, he looked at me like I was squirrely. 
And uh, what's it? Uh, Joshua 1 9. That was one I learned, Joshua 1 9. You know what it says in Joshua 1 9? Have not I commanded thee? <laughs> oh, really? To be strong, Norm. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou this made, for the Lord thy God, Jehovah, is with me with this or wherever I goest. <laughs> and then I use Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified to Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I said, folks, I told him, I'm not going down there alone. <laughs> Jesus went down there with me. Jesus with me at Walmart. Jesus with me when I drive. Jesus with me. <laughs> hey, Jesus with you. Did you know Jesus Christ is in this room? That's right. At least someone actually believes that. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus Christ said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. And I don't know how he does it. But Jesus Christ in the room. Now, you see how that, what if you, it's just, oh, it's just religious talk. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. The Christ liveth in me. Well, what did Paul mean by that? It was that religious talk, or does he mean that Jesus Christ literally indwells you? Now, folks, listen. If Jesus Christ indwells you, and he does, if you're truly saved, his presence can be real to you. You can walk every day with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in life, and Jesus Christ can open to you the Word of God as surely as he did to his disciples some 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Man, that ought to help you. Man, that ought, man, that's worth. I mean, you just come out. But what if you go out and forget? You don't go over it. You don't put it into practice. You don't ask him for help. Y'all gonna be going to school pretty soon. Hey, I asked him for photographic, photographic memory. Well. See, I didn't want to get to heaven and look at all the things that God wanted to do, that God desired to do, and wanted to do, didn't do because I didn't ask. <laughs> okay, let me downsize that a little bit. <laughs> if you thought God would give you everything that you asked for, <laughs> folks, you would rarely stop the act <laughs> of praying. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's not real to us. God won't hear me. I'm just an ordinary Christian. Hey, you don't have to be an Apostle Paul. You know the secret? Right with God. Fellowship with the Lord. If you're in fellowship with God, as a Christian, you can ask the Lord for anything, anything at all, big or little. And if it is His will, you can have, you see, if it is His will, you can have the very thing that you ask for. But, okay, now what does all that mean? <laughs> That means you're going to go out the same way you came in. The difference is, I said, God, I don't want to forget that. You've given me instruction. You've taught me how to live, where to go. And, and this is, let's hit the Christian life. We ought to be the happiest people on the planet. And now Psalm 84, verse 10. I hope that was an encouragement to some of you. To help you to grow. I want you to come back. I have so much to share. And I have no time to share it. But what time we have, I hope this will be profitable to you. Psalm 84, verse 10. The psalmist said, folks, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God 
than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Uh, listen, I have decided it is better to be in God's camp on the worst day than it is to be in the devil's camp on the best of days. But many of God's people don't express that image at all. They don't uh, project that image at all. They say it is so hard to be a Christian. It is so hard to live for Jesus Christ. It's so hard to do right. You've got to go to church. You've got to listen to hours or sermons. <laughs> You've got to endure. You can't watch this. You can't wear that. You can't say this. You can't do that. And as a Christian, a believer, you complain. Uh, you complain about the Christian life. You, you complain about your walk with God. This is the day the Lord hath made. And he said, rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord. God made that day. I think, man, he made it for me. <laughs> and he wants me to rejoice and be glad in it. What's the alternative? Hey, folks, we're going through it. Right? Now, you can go through it with a smile, or you can go through it with a frown. And I just choose to live a different sort of life. I choose, it's a choice. I choose to live a different sort of life. I choose to live, praise the Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to take him at his word. He said, never thank give thanks for this. So if you go home tonight and your house is burnt down, what should your response be? <laughs> the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Praise the Lord, right? Amen. He said, no one lives that way. I say, you ought to be living that way. Don't live any other way. Whatever way you want to live in the flesh. Walk around all day long under the flesh. The spiritual man. No. See, the difference, he doesn't, he's not dominated and ruled by the flesh. He's dominated and ruled by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, is he? You see the difference? Ruled by the Spirit of God and the Word of God versus the old sin nature, the old flesh nature that you have. Somebody going to run rain. Right? You're, who, what? Who are you going to let? Are you, that's why we crucify the flesh. But those are all, oh, that's... <sighs> We have so much. I wish I could stay in a church for about six months to a year. It would take that long to get God's people up to speed just, just on ground floor. But I don't have that much time. And I pray that you'll listen with your whole heart and this will be a blessing. I will share so many things, so many truths with you. I, I haven't even, I even got the first page. I haven't even started yet. <laughs> that was just overflow. <laughs> That was just things that come across the brain. Now, I hope this, so, what are you trying to say? I'm simply saying this. Make a decision. Make a simple decision to stop your complaining. Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Folks, that's a decision. I'm not saying sinless. I'm saying sin less. Complain less. You ought not be complaining, you know, when you, you, know, first, when you first get saved, that's all you can do. <laughs> Twenty-six and a half years later, you ought not be complaining like you when you first got saved. But what if you never made a decision? Remember I said the successful Christian life is you choosing to make a, a decision, one successful decision after another, and the decision I could get you to make tonight. I've already asked you to make a decision to live for Christ to do right. I was asking to make a decision tonight to stop complaining. 
Hard part's over, hard part's past. No, that's the decision. You discipline yourself to stop. Good thing, every time you stop at the stop sign, say stop your complaining. <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised how many times, and when you make sure you stop behind the white line, and then you've got to do the double thing. Not only do you get to stop, stop your complaining, stop behind it. So if you, discipline, if you can discipline yourself to stop behind the white line, you're going to be able to discipline yourself to stop your complaint. You see? In the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you can do it. But some people, they can't get, they don't even want to stop at the stop sign, let alone stop the complaining. <laughs> that, that's just how it starts. I don't know how you're going to do it, how it's how it going to affect you, but it, 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 it worked for me. <laughs> I just thought, man, it just, it, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of like putting a shoestring or a, a bow around your finger, you know. Whatever it takes. I mean, take a little string and tie it around your finger, and every time you see the string, you say, stop it complaining. And after that, it becomes a good habit. You discipline yourself, and you depend on God, help, help me stop complaining. And God's going to do for you, okay, I know some of you done turned me off. God, God going God to do what you cannot do. You've got to make a decision. No decision, no stopping. <laughs> but you make a decision. Then God's going to come around and do what you can't do. Example, God will not physically pick you up, throw you into your chair, and open the Bible and say, read that. You see what I'm saying? I'm sorry. God got not do that. And He's not going to pick you up, put you in the car, and... The Holy Ghost driving the church. And dump you. He's not going to do that. If you don't have character or discipline to do that, He won't do it for you. However, if you make a decision, stop your command, you make a decision to open this book. Hey, just see if I'm not telling you to. You open that book and say, God help. Now, He's going to meet you. He's going to do something you cannot do. He's going to help you and in that moment of discipline, and now he's going to empower you to stop. <laughs> I just thought everybody wanted to know. Man, that's Christianity. That is bottom floor. If you don't get that, how else are you going to... I mean... I thought you'd like to know. Yeah, I got it. But anyway, okay, so okay, I've got to get started because y'all never get out of here. Okay. But, you know, but it is biblical. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things. Remember, God never told you something that you could not do. Now, if God told you something he, you could not do, then he lied about our salvation too, folks. You see what I'm saying? And God is not a liar. Uh, we're making too many excuses. <laughs> yeah, too many excuses. Your flesh. And so, let's hear if the... It is so heavy. This is good. Isn't it great? Learning instruction and grace and knowledge and getting to know God better. Let's hear for the Christian life. Everybody around you, hey, the influence you have, everybody around you ought to know it is better to be a Christian than it is to be an unsafe person. There are folks in this room today who have already received the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. Uh, and some of you have lost sight. My friends, you have lost sight of what a wonderful thing it is to be a child of God. You see what I'm saying? The wonder of it all, to be a child of God. And you have no joy, and there is not much that would attract 
others to Jesus Christ in you. In other words, you're not a very good example. (laughs) They don't want what they see. You're not a very good example of what the Christian life is all about. Too too hard. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Representation. You need to get a hold of what I'm preaching today and say, by God's grace, from this point forward, everybody going to find out. Everybody going to find out it is better. Folks, it is better to be a Christian than it is to be an unsafe person. And, uh, and it really is. And now I'm going to explain it to you. Now there are folks in this room today, you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. My friend, if something doesn't happen to you before you die, you are going to go to hell. Uh, there are no exceptions. You say, preacher, I don't believe that. I don't believe in an awful place called hell. Mine say, friend, listen, if, if you ought to get saved today because the Christian life is superior, even if all the spiritual things of heaven and hell were not true, I would still say the Christian life is a better life. I would still say, folks, listen, I had rather be a Christian than an unsaved man. Uh, Let's hear for the Christian life. I want to talk to you about the difference between a saved man, saved man, born again man, John 3, 7, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. So I'm going to talk to you, I want to talk to you quickly, the difference between the saved man, the one who put his faith in Christ, and the unsaved man. That one has never trusted Christ, never received the Lord as a personal Savior. There's a difference between a saved man and an unsaved man. Uh, there is the difference between heaven and hell. Uh, we'll note heaven is real, hell is real. We'll notice number two, there's the difference between what's hard and what's easy. And then number three, there's the one I like the most. There's the difference between forgiveness and guilt. Folks, I have no guilt. Mm-mm. Jesus paid it all. Lord, please help me as I convey what you've laid on my heart tonight. I want to be a blessing and encouragement and help to your people. I pray if there is someone that does not know the Lord is their personal Savior, that they will hear the simplicity of the gospel, change their mind about it, and receive the Lord as their own personal Savior tonight in Jesus' name. Please notice, number one, folks, there is a difference between heaven and hell. Now, you don't hear much on hell today. It's going to get hot. And this, this not mess, I got a message on hell, but this, this is just a partial message. I mean, you know, isn't it a shame you don't hear about hell anymore? But you're going to hear something about it. And it's not a pretty place. Listen, the Bible is very plain. If, if a per, there is a difference between heaven and hell, and the Bible is very plain on this. Now, if a person dies... My friend, if you die without having accepted the work of Christ down on Calvary's cross on your behalf, you are going to go to hell. You see? Uh, if a person dies without having accepted Christ down on Calvary's cross on his behalf, that individual is going to go to hell. A little bit more personal the other way. And so, there are no exceptions. You see, how do you know that? I got in the manual, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glorious power 
Now, I don't know about you, but if those were the only two verses in all the Word of God on judgment and hell, and if I were plain church, <laughs> you know, if I were unsaved, man, I'd plead Christ. What is the Bible saying? It's simply saying this, my friend, if you do not obey the gospel, if you do not take heed to the gospel, and the gospel is repent and believe, my friend, if you do not receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, you're going to go to hell and suffer forever and ever and ever. The Bible is telling you that you're going to go to hell, and my friend, you're going to be punished. You're going to be punished with ever lasting destruction, eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord. Uh, there is no God in hell. There are no friends in hell. There is no fellowship with family members in hell. You will be in that awful place forever and ever utterly alone. Now, you're not going to be with God. You're not going to, know, you're not going to be with family and friends that knew Jesus Christ. I say to you that the Christian life is better because there is a difference between heaven and hell. Hell is an awful place, my friends. Hell is described in the Word of God as a place of unquenchable fire. Do you know what Jesus said about hell? <laughs> and Jesus is God. Jesus cannot lie. Mark 9, 43, Jesus said, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm, their worm, T-H-E-I-R, their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. So what is the Bible saying? It's simply saying this, folks. It is a fire whose flames never go out. A hundred thousand years from today, the fires of hell shall burn as they burn now. A hundred million years, a hundred billion years. Throughout the endless eons of eternity, the fires of hell shall burn as they burn right now. They shall never be quenched. No relief from the flames of hell. No quenching of the flames of hell. Hell shall burn forever and ever. And all our loved ones in that awful place shall endure hell forever. <laughs> Now you see, I was so, I was so, I so wanted mom to get saved. <laughs> My dad did not get saved. My dad died 30 days before I received the Lord. He died October 22nd. I was a month later, November 22nd. I received the Lord. He died. My dad thought he'd get to heaven and God had a scale outweigh his good and bad works. He thought he'd get in by his own merits. <laughs> One day, my dad will bow the knee at the great white throne and confess before God that hell is exactly what he deserves before my daddy is cast to the lake of fire. You know what's something that's sad? Ain't nothing I can do about it. But I didn't want my mom to die and go to hell, so then I began to pursue her and I told her about Christ. She got saved, and three days later she was murdered. Now, I want to go out and warn sinners to flee from the wrath to come. Point them to Christ, who is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. <laughs> Why? Because I know some things. I know some things I did not know. I don't want you to die and go to hell. 
I want you to experience life and life abundantly. I, I want you to discover a, a walk with God you've never dreamed possible. <laughs> but it's not going to happen by accident. But the Bible defines hell not as a place of unquenchable fire, but also a place of no rest. Folks, there is no rest in hell. Revelation chapter 14, verse 11, the Bible says, And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. No rest in hell. Did you know the Bible defines hell not as the place of unquenchable fire, not only the place of no rest, but also a place that burneth with fire and brimstone. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, the Bible says, And the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, <laughs> kind of includes all of us, doesn't it? All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Yeah. But you say, preacher, I'm not so bad. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What do you mean you are not so bad? <laughs> you are a sinner, <laughs> just like I am. <laughs> I think sometimes we forget that. We all sinners. Yes, you are a sinner, just like I am. Uh, the Bible is very plain on that. You see, in Romans 3.23, the Bible says, For all have sinned. Now, it makes no difference the magnitude, the capacity, or the length of your sin. <laughs> For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you've got to face the reality of that. I am a sinner by birth. You're looking at one. So are you. Sinner by birth. Sinner by choice. I have by my nature and by my deeds offended a holy God. I've offended God, and so have you. You see, I think we don't. We kind of miss that. I've offended a holy God, and so have you. It makes no difference if I haven't done something you've done, or you haven't done something I've done. You see what I'm saying? Because we've done probably the same thing, but it doesn't matter. He's not looking at you've done what I did, I did what you did. No. It's not whether I've offended you or whether you've offended me. You are bad because you have offended God. You have violated his will. You are a sinner abiding under the curse of damnation. But Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on Calvary's cross for you and suffered your damnation. Folks, he suffered your pain. He received your pain. He received your torment. And all you have to do is accept what Christ did for you. And you can go free. And John, here, listen to this verse. John chapter 3, verse 18. He that believeth on him. Okay, he, that's you, that believeth on him, Jesus Christ. I believed on Christ. You see what I'm saying? Have you, you believed on someone, something, right? What, what, if you die today, well, you trust him to get you in. So he, that's you, believeth on him, that's Christ. Uh, he that believes on him is not condemned. See, the, one, the believer in Jesus Christ is not condemned. But he that believeth not... Now, the one that believeth not in Christ... Folks, listen, you condemned already. Because you have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I'm simply saying this. If you have not personally... It's a personal thing. If you have not personally received Jesus Christ, you are not 
facing judgment someday. Wake up. You are already under the judgment of God. Right now, there is hovering over your head the sword of God's judgment and is held simply by a thin thread of God's mercy. And at any moment, God could cut that thin thread and damn you to eternal hell where you would suffer forever and ever and ever. I say to you, the Christian life is better because there is a difference, folks. There is a difference between heaven and hell. And we need to get that out. We're not doing the job. America's going to hell and God's people sleep. But that's not, that's not the best part. <laughs> I want to get to the better part. <laughs> Guilt all gone. <laughs> Forgiveness of sins. Eternal life, home in heaven. That's the good part. So we've noticed, number one, uh, I say the Christian life is better because of the difference between heaven and hell. But notice, number two, there's the difference between hearts, what's hard and what's easy. And you say, preacher... It is so hard to live for God. It is so hard to be on time. I mean, but it's easy to live in sin. No, it is just the other way around. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, Jesus said, that's the master. He said, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Listen, everybody has hardships. Can you folks agree on that? We don't see if we're still in the same book. Everybody has hardships. Even the unsaved folks. Even God's people have hardships, right? Amen. Okay, bear with me. If you came forward today, I'm asking you to receive Christ. If you're here and you're not 100% sure if you died today, go to heaven, I'm asking you to receive Christ. And so, if I... If you came forward today and you received Christ as your personal Savior, now I'm not going to look you in the face and say, listen, you're home free now. Sickness is never going to bother your household. You'll never face financial problems again. To say that if you come forward and get saved, everything's going smoothly until you die and go to heaven. Folks, that is not true. Somebody lied to you. The preacher lied to you. It's not true. It's not in the book. You remember, not everything that comes across the TV, radio, and pulpits by preachers is, what, thus saith the Lord? <laughs> That's not true. However, uh, let me ask you something. Uh, how many in here are saved? Now, I don't want you to lie about it, but you be honest. But how many folks are saved, but you've experienced tragedies? Now, like my tragedy of my mother's death, the, the, the tragedy of a loved one, the tragedy uh, uh, um, of the illness of a loved one. And, and you say, preacher, I'm saved, born again, but as a Christian, born again, I have experienced some sort of tragedy in my life. I want you to raise your hand. All right? Look around the room. So what you're saying is, being a Christian don't exempt you from tragedies. That's what you said. You just now told me that being a Christian does not exempt you of tragedies. It's important you remember that. Not everything's going to go smooth until you go to heaven. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we're supposed to apply Scripture. We to, uh, you know, overcome. We, could, we can be better. You know, we must not allow circumstances and situations dictate how we're going to live and act. If we do, we're no different than the world. The world acts that way. If it's raining outside, it will be what allows it to be. Sunshine, praise God. <laughs> you ever heard that kind of stuff? Amen. Let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. God, this is the day God hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Fifteen feet of water. I figure when it's enough, it's enough. 
Has he ever made a mistake? <laughs> Has he ever owed you an apology? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see where the friction is, you know. Fifteen feet, three feet. What's the, <laughs> hey, let it come. Hey, what's the thing this drowned go to heaven? <laughs> I think, man, <laughs> God gone to prepare a place for me. He gone to prepare a place for you. So we don't even think in that way. We just still kind of just in our own little shell or something, I guess. All right, look around. Okay, we already done it. Okay, how many of you would say, preacher, I'm saved, but I surely know what it is to be tempted to do wrong. <laughs> as a saved person tempted to be wrong, raise your hands. That's not, you know. Okay, so what you're saying is, uh, being saved does not exempt you uh, from temptation. <laughs> I mean, why even get saved, man? <laughs> I mean, why get saved? What are you think about right, the tragedies still there, hardship, difficulties. I mean, temptation. I mean, <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm simply saying. But you know what? As a Christian, as a born again believer, I've got a promise. Not only in my head, in my heart. A lot of problems. God's people got a lot of knowledge in the head, but they've never made it to the heart. And once it gets to the heart, <laughs> it needs to line up with the walk. <laughs> you see, it's not enough to have it in your head. It's got to be real to you. And then it needs to change the way you live, the way you drive, the way you cut your hair, the way you love your wife. It change everything about you. If you let God have His way with you, <laughs> God's going to have to. That means you're going to have to die. Not physically, but just die to your dreams, your plans, your ambitions, your goals, and, and allow Christ to begin to live out His life in and through you. And that's another whole story. And that's another whole heart. I told you I don't have enough time, but I think you're getting the gist of it. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. <laughs> there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men. But you know what God promised? I'm faithful, Norm. I'm faithful not to suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape so Norman may be able to bear it. <laughs> That's a promise. <laughs> okay, this is, this, this, I learned this 26 years ago. It's kind of like, have you ever seen a hula hoop when I'm around little circle things? Well, just imagine a hula hoop on the floor right now. You see a little circle? Well, when I got saved, God put me inside the hula hoop. <laughs> and now, he said, listen. He said, I'm not going to let nothing, a finger, nothing going to happen to you except I give that thing permission. In other words, he's got to look over that. And before you can do it, he, he got to say, okay, go for it. <laughs> Isn't it so cool to me? So that gives me, hey, this is of the Lord. He's trying to make me more and more like Jesus Christ. He's using circumstances and situations and the death of my mother. You know, I responded to that correctly and it helped me to grow in grace and knowledge and knowing that God is good, God is fair, God is just. God never made a mistake. Knowing that there hath no temptation taken you, son, but such as is common to man. It's common. <laughs> I mean, it's tragedies and all that. But I'm faithful, son. I'll not allow you to be tempted above you're able so that you may be able to escape. The thing that is, you've got to look for this place to escape. <laughs> okay, that's another whole thing. Okay, let's, okay what are you saying? I'm saying being saved, born again, will not exempt you from tragedies, hardships, sorrow, 
difficulties and tough decisions. I'm not telling you come forward and receive Christ the personal Savior. Things can go smoothly to you and go to heaven. That's not true. But I've got news for you. Do unsaved people have tragedies? If you folks want to go home, you've got to answer. <laughs> Do unsaved people have tragedies? Do unsaved people have marital problems? Do unsaved people have death? Uh, do unsaved people have kids break their hearts? Okay, do, do unsaved people have uh, what are, uh, tough decisions? This is so cool. This is another nugget. This is another nugget you can hide in your heart. Not in your head. Get it in your head and your heart. I don't know of a single tragedy that occurs in unsaved families that doesn't occur in saved families. Maybe you know one. I don't know of one. However, I'm here to say there is. There is a big difference. In the Christian life, I have the Lord. <laughs> In the Christian life, you have the Lord. An unsaved man does not. As a born-again believer, I have Jesus Christ to turn to. An unsaved man has no God to turn to. And so, I know what it is to have pain. <laughs> I have been saved, didn't exempt me from pain. <laughs> I have chronic pain, even. <laughs> so I know what it is to have pain. And not only just chronic pain, other sorts of pain, too. I know what it is to have sorrow. <laughs> I know what it is to have temptation. <laughs> oh, man, and failed more times than I like to confess. But I use First John 1, 9. <laughs> I know what it is to have temptation. I know what it is to suffer defeat. I know what it is personally, and I have observed in the lives of others what it is to have all kinds of problems. But the difference between being saved, my friend, and being lost is when you are truly saved, you have God to turn to. An unman, unsaved man has no God to turn to. Not only are you without God in the next world, but if you do not know Jesus Christ, you are without God in this world. See how that's pretty concise, isn't it? And it's, 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 I just thought, we, that's new, that's it. You don't have to pray about it. And so, let me ask you something. How in the world can you face a day without Jesus Christ in your life? Tomorrow morning, without Jesus Christ in life. How can you face that? How can you face... A doctor's report of possible cancer and termination of life without Jesus Christ. How can you possibly endure the temptation to be dishonest or to be immoral in the wicked society in which we live? How can you face that and have no God to turn to? I mean, on the worst day for a Christian, he can, if he chooses, he can turn to the Lord. <laughs> Y'all have enough sense. To do. I'm beginning to wonder about some of them. <laughs> no. You can turn to the Lord. You have, listen, you have the Bible. God gave you the Bible. The Bible to direct you. Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee, son. I will teach thee. Psalm, Bless the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth with the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the Vikings. <laughs> His delight is in soap operas. Is that what it says? 
Y'all don't read the book, do you? No, I'll tell you what it says. His delight is in the law of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. And in his law that they meditate what? Day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. You will discover a Christian life that very few <laughs> ever discover. And so, I just, I just thought, I just, I really thought people wanted to know. <laughs> you know, I'm making more people mad than I'm making people happy. I didn't see that one coming. Do you believe that, brother? Make more people mad than I make them happy. <laughs> I just didn't see that. I don't understand. I just thought every Christian believer wanted to know how they can walk and talk and fellowship with Jesus Christ. Things to improve and things to be better. I just naturally assumed that every Christian wanted that. So, let me ask you something. Uh, I mean, on the worst day, you have the Bible to direct us. We have the Holy Spirit of God within to guide us. Uh, we have the promises of God to rely upon. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, you have the grace of God to support you. <laughs> well, I say to you, I had rather be a Christian. I don't know about you, but I had rather be a Christian than an unsaved man. Hardship? Tough to walk with God? Tough to be a Christian? Tough to live the Christian life? Sure, it's hard. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's hard. It's hard. But you, listen, you are not going to be exempt from hard work. I get concerned when things go smoothly. I was so happy. I lost my Bible. I, I, I got in the car with the pastor, and I was going, I said, something ain't right. Something ain't right. He said, what do you mean something right? I said, just something ain't right. I said, nothing happened yet. You had a flat, you, you hadn't had a flat tire yet. I mean, so, and we drove all the way home, and this, that, and the other, and all of a sudden, I left my Bible on the bus. I knew something wasn't right. I get concerned when things go smoothly. And I come over here, <laughs> I, do, um, I had my, my clothes all in my, little, my bag, you know, and everything, and I had it all zipped up. I'm telling you, I can bring it tomorrow. There's no zipper on it. It's zipped up from top to bottom. There is no, and you know, I, I know I zipped it, but there's no zipper thing here, but it's from top to bottom. You know how I get my clothes out? I, I had to rip the top of it out. I had to rip the top of it out. I checked that thing ten times. I don't know where the zipper went. You don't believe that. I'll bring it tomorrow. There's <laughs> no zipper in there. I don't know. What, how do you do that? Where did the zipper go? I mean, there's no zipper. I mean, it's zipped. Just like you zip, zip all the way. There's no zipper at either end. I thought, well, it didn't leave that way. <laughs> and I thought, oh, praise God. Everything goes smoothly. <laughs> I knew things going to go smoothly. I've noticed something. Anytime you do something for God, count on opposition. Some people don't even do that. Okay, that's another. I'll talk about maybe to that tomorrow. But I'll bring, you're going to see that back. I did amazing. I just, where'd that little thing go to? I, I had to rip it open to get it open. I just I have no clue. I just thought, man, I ought to keep that one just for a souvenir. <laughs> but I still smiled. I said, praise the Lord. I don't know when. What you going to do about a new bag? I don't know. I said, Lord, not my problem. I didn't lose the ripper. He <laughs> just, he said, well, no, well, how is she going to live? You go fret and worry? 
Philippians 4, 6, uh, be careful for nothing, but in everything but prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. God, I need a bag. <laughs> it's your problem, not mine. It's, uh, what's the alternative? Just carry them around on a hanger. You see, I promised God I'd never go in financial debt to get one, so it's not my problem. <laughs> You're going to look kind of squirrely carrying them things around. I said, that's okay. Praise the Lord. I'm his squirrel. <laughs> Amen. So, maybe he'll get me a bag. <laughs> but you'll see the bag. No zipper on that bag. Oh, I still can't. Where does it ever go? I can't I, anyway, to say to you, okay, our worst day, my worst, uh, okay, I didn't get, okay, I, I simply said it, you have got to turn, okay, hardship, it's tough to be a Christian, sure it's hard. You're not going to be exempt from hard work and difficult times, the Christian might be a Christian, I'm simply saying this, you do have Jesus Christ to turn to, you have God Almighty. Jeremiah 32 verse 27, behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? <laughs> Jeremiah 33, verse 3, Call to me, I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And so, I'm simply saying this, you have God to turn to. You can get direction from the Lord. You can have the supply of omnipotence. You have the wisdom of omniscience. You have not because he has not. Many of you going day after day, week after week, month after month, you know, uh, without getting those things that God wants to do for you. There's things that God wants to do, desires to do, would do, won't do, because you did not ask, and so... Please don't get to heaven and look at what God wants to do for you and won't do because you didn't ask. So, but you have the wisdom of omniscience. You have the guidance of omnipresence. I say to you that our worst day, my worst day is better than an unsaved man's uh, best day. <laughs> my worst day. <laughs> and so, my dear friends, if you do not know Jesus Christ, my friend, if you don't know Christ as your own personal Savior, the only way you can face each day is to kind of hope it'll turn out okay. You don't have any promise. Some of God's people forget what it is to get up every day with promises. Maybe that's you. I'm simply saying the child of God, you can walk through the day with promises. You can go to bed at night tonight. <laughs> you can go to bed tonight with promises. And as a Christian, you can wake up tomorrow morning with promises. An unsaved man has no promise. Listen to me. God does not promise to bless his labors, an unsaved man's labors. God does not promise to bless his wisdom. God does not promise to bless or guide him. God does not promise to help him. God does not promise to meet his needs. God does not promise to sustain him. Now, when an unsaved man tries to rear his kids, are you listening? He has no promise. When an unsaved man tries to have a decent marriage, an unsaved man has no promise. I mean, he is stripped of all things before God. On the other hand, as a Christian, that's who I am. I believe we're born-again believers. Listen, we have the promises of God. Did you know you have the privilege of walking with God? Not behind or trailing. God wants you to come... Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The word follow literally means come and walk with me. So what was Jesus Christ saying? He says, come and walk with me. Whosoever will walk with me. He says, not trailing about. You know, I want you to come up alongside Norm. I want you to come alongside Jim. And I want you to fellowship with me by my side as my friend, as my companion. And when I tell you to jump, you jump. <laughs> You don't have to ask how high. If you don't get high enough, he's going to tell you to jump again. You know what I'm saying? 
And how does he primarily tell you how to jump? In the book. God's going to primarily tell you how to jump in the book. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Let all bitterness, wrath, stop you complaining. Those are, oh, those are jumps. <laughs> but I'm saying you ought to be better at it now than you were when you first got saved. But what if you never started? I'm just challenging you to start today with maybe one thing. <laughs> not trying to... I, I, I'm speaking for 26 and a half years. You're not going to get it overnight. But I'm simply saying if you start, there's all sorts of hope for the future. You see what I'm saying? Some of you folks are young. <laughs> I ain't no telling what God... I didn't get started until I was 35. I didn't learn to read. I didn't even comprehend until I was 35. They gave me comprehension tests, and I said, you want me to read and think at the same time? I ain't never done that. <laughs> I've only been doing this for a few years. Can you imagine somebody hungering to know God and walking with God, what God might do with somebody that actually got a brain? <laughs> Mine's a little slow. <laughs> I am so thankful my wires got crossed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, okay, let's get... Oh, I've got to get to the other point. Okay, I, I talk too much. So, the child of God... Okay, where is it? Okay. Uh, not only do you have a privilege of walking with God, you have the privilege of calling upon God and seeking the Lord's face. Hey, folks, you have the promise that God will supply your need. Don't ever forget that. God has promised that He will bless your marriage, and He has promised He will bless the reign of your children. As a, as a saved man, you've got that. That's already guaranteed. Listen, I submit to you that the Christian's worst day, I mean, your worst day, if you're right with God, is better than the best day an unsaved man has. I'm not going to hang my head and I'm not going to apologize to my unsaved friends when I beg them to come to Christ. I'm asking them to unshackle hopelessness and take on hope. I'm asking them to swap out hell for heaven. Now, you tell me, how's that bad news? But now, number three, quickly, it'll be quick. I won't keep you that long. Uh, the difference between forgiveness and guilt. This is going to be a blessing. You're going to learn some things. It's going to help you. I hope you'll listen. And they'll only listen. I hope you'll share that with your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, someone that does not know Christ. They're going to be help to you. And uh, by the way, you ought to be doing that. You ought to be reproducing yourselves in the lives of others. You ought to be knocking on doors. You ought to be sharing the gospel. And then you ought to find somebody to disciple. And disciple that convert that they go out and reproduce yourself. Like Christians, you know, Christian reproduce Christian. Orange, going, going, bear orange and grapefruit, grapefruit. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's why you get instruction. You go out and win someone to Christ. Disciple him that he go out and do the same thing. And <laughs> we're not doing the job. <laughs> okay. And I don't got time to tell you why. Uh, but the third thing, my friend, if you don't know Christ, you are, if you don't know the Lord is your personal Savior, you are this day shackled with the guilt of your sin. You say, wait just a minute, preacher. I was listening to you an hour ago. <laughs> uh, uh, you said you're a sinner too. Yes, I'm a sinner just like you, but the difference is my guilt is gone. He said, preacher, no, that, that's just religious talk. No, it is the real thing. Here it is. Jesus Christ died for Norman on Calvary's cross, just like he died for you. You see what I'm saying? Christ died for Norman just like he died for you. In Romans 5.8, the Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us. That is, God showed his love toward us 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm a sinner just like you are, but the difference is because I have accepted what Christ did for me. See, I've accepted that, what Christ did for me. I have no guilt. You say, preacher, he is just overlooking your sins. No, he has dealt with my sins. Uh, I have been judged. Folks, I have been punished. You say, well, you don't look very punished. Well, that's because I've been punished in a substitute. Jesus took my place. You say, how do you know that? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for norm. (laughs) And he who knew no sin became sin for us. God did it. And so, Jesus Christ took all, not some. He did past, present, and future. Jesus Christ took all the sins of this preacher on himself. That's right. And then God the Father, Jesus took all the sins of the preacher on himself. Then God the Father, you know, fastened his eyes upon Jesus Christ and poured upon the Son of God all of his wrath and anger and justifiable hatred for my sins, folks. He poured it on his son. I've been judged. It's not that I'm getting off with something, not something being paid for. It's been paid for. Jesus paid it all. In the eyes of God, folks, I have been declared innocent. In fact, I am as righteous in the eyes of God as Jesus Christ himself. Because when Jesus Christ took my sins upon him, I received him. Jesus transferred to me his very righteousness. Now, that's going to help you. That'll make you say amen or something. When you stop and think about that, that's a lot. I said a lot that day. <laughs> you say, well, what do you have to do to get it? Do you have to join the church? No. Did you have to promise to tithe from now on out? No. Did you have to promise to stop all the fun things in life? <laughs> and stop, promise to stop all the fun things and stop doing them? No, all I had to do is accept. All I had to do is accept what Jesus Christ did. That's it. Jesus did it all. Now, now I don't want you to take my word for it. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is so clear. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In Titus 3, 5, the Bible says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. In Isaiah 64, verse 6, the Bible says, All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Romans 4, 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. John six forty seven. How many are we going to need? Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10, That if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth in the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Then he said, and we know it, Romans ten thirteen, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen. I'm saying, friend, let me ask you something. Why in the world would you turn down the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? Why would you rather have hell than heaven? 
Why would you rather have the hard life than the easy life? Why would you rather have guilt than forgiveness? Listen, you're going to die. You're going to die just like me. You've got to live today just like me. Not a whole lot of difference between you and me except what Jesus Christ has done. (laughs) And that thing (laughs) has made all the difference in the world. Let's hear the Christian life. Everybody around you ought to know. It is better, folks. I'm telling you, it is better to be a Christian than it is an unsaved person. But many of God's people in the 21st century don't project that image at all. So hard to be a Christian. So hard to live for Christ. Do that. Can't do this. Can't do that. And they complain. Stop your complaining. <laughs> when you complain, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Have you ever been, you ever heard a baby cry? And you just, I mean, finally you go, sure! <laughs> you ought to be on a plane with a baby crying. You ought to be on a plane with a bunch of babies crying. You want to get off the plane. Okay, who indwells you? Who indwells you? <laughs> As a born-again believer, uh, the Holy Spirit of God, right? He indwells you. And all you do, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Good job. Amen. What am I saying, see? That's what the Spirit of God says. Whoa, man, forget that. <laughs> because you grieve me. You quench me. <laughs> and then, you, you know, then you, you see, you see you, that is so cool. <laughs> uh, complain less. That, but I hope you'll make this. So what is it? Let's hear it, the Christian life. Everybody around you, I, I submit to you that a Christian, I hope that's what you are, a Christian, that I submit to you that a Christian who is walking with God, that's right, by his side, as his friend, as his companion, and as he speaks to you through his word, through the Spirit of God, you obey him, do what he says, go where he wants you to go, who loves God, not like or appreciate God, <laughs> but you love Him. A lot of people like and appreciate, but Jesus said, If you love me, John fourteen twenty one, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, He it is, that's the Christian that truly loves me. You see what I'm saying? We've got to like and appreciate, but we need some Christians who will love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind and strength, which is the first commandment. So I submit to you tonight, a Christian, a child of God, who is walking with God, loves God, honors God with his life, and is seeking to serve him, I'm telling you, he's 10,000 times better off, 10,000 times better off on his lowest day than unsaved man in his best day. But many of God's people have no clue. Remember I said I'm not trying to take something away from you? On Sunday, I'm trying to lead you to something that's wonderful. Deciding to walk with God is a path that's wonderful. But I'm sorry, it requires obedience. John 15.10, Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And as you choose to make a decision to stop your complaining, and whatever decision God's going to make you, whatever He wants you to do, and as you, as you walk with God, talk with God, and, he felt, and you get tomorrow morning, you open the book and say, God, teach me something. If he did, you open it, and when God teaches you that, just be obedient to it. And then if you respond, I'm telling you, if you respond to that, God's going to teach you something new. He's going to teach you another thing. And then you're going to say, all right, and see. And then you're going to get you none. I mean, you're going to be so high, we'll be trying to pull you back down. <laughs> Come on back down here. Come on, you know what I'm saying? 
Wouldn't it be great if Christians... Okay. <sighs> Y'all coming back, right? 